Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Insomniac, the podcast where you can find true crime, ghost stories, and more. This is your host, Rachel Lemley, and this week I am taking you to a town that is said to have more ghosts than living people, a town with two haunted hotels, one haunted theater, and ghosts around every corner. This town, Jerome, Arizona. Jerome, Arizona was built over 5,000 feet up on Cleopatra Hill, above a vast deposit of copper. Prehistoric Native Americans were the first miners. The Spanish followed, seeking gold, but finding copper. Angelo staked the first claims in the area in 1876, and the United Verde mining operations began in 1883, followed by the Little Daisy claim. Jerome grew rapidly, from Tent City to a prosperous mining town as it followed the swing of the mine's fortunes. Jerome was the talk of the territory, the boom town of its time. The mines were nourished and exploited by financers who brought billions of dollars into the area. But as times changed, the territory saw pack burrows, mule-drawn freight wagons, and horses being replaced by steam engines, autos, and trucks. Fires ravaged the town of Jerome, again and again, but Jerome was always rebuilt. In 1918, underground mining phased out after uncontrollable fires erupted in the 88 miles of underground tunnels. Open pit mining brought dynamiting. The hills rattled, the buildings cracked, the surfaces began to shift, and sections of the business district slid downward. The sliding jail moved 225 feet and now rests across the street from its original site. Dependent on the ups and downs of copper prices, labor unrest, depressions, and wars, Jerome's mines finally closed in 1953. But Jerome has always been a survivor. The population went from a peak of about 15,000 in the 20s to about 50 in the late 50s. The 60s and 70s offered a haven for artists who renovated homes and opened abandoned shops to sell their art. Soon, the newcomers and the old-timers were working together to bring Jerome back to life. The Jerome Historical Society guarded the buildings against vandalism and the elements. The Douglas Mansion became a state park in 1965, and Jerome became a National Historic Landmark in 1976. Now, today, Jerome is very much alive, with writers, artists, artisans, musicians, historians, families, and, of course, ghosts. Our first stop in this ghostly town, the Connor Hotel. Built in 1898 by David Connor, the Connor Hotel of Jerome has a colorful past, ranging from the heights of luxury to the depths of squalor, and back again. Originally designed with 20 rooms upstairs, this first-class lodging establishment also offered card rooms, billiard tables, and a spirit room on the first floor. Rooms were rented for about a dollar per night. But before the turn of the century, David Connor's hotel had burned to the ground twice, along with many other buildings in the Jerome's crowded downtown. But David Connor was fortunate enough that he was one of the only two business owners to carry insurance. As a result, he was able to immediately rebuild the hotel. When the mines closed in the 1950s, the town came close to becoming a real and true ghost town. 
Soon after, the town began to attract some attention due to the fact that it was only a semi-ghost town, and merchants shifted gear to try to begin to make a living off of tourism. As the town began to attract sightseers in the 60s and 70s, the hotel entered its second heyday, this time as a low-budget flophouse, which was very popular. Now the hotel attracts tourists and thrill-seekers, hoping to encounter one of the hotel's many ghosts. One of the hotel's many ghosts is said to come from the story of Anna Hopkins. Anna Hopkins was the wife of a local mining company's chief engineer, who believed her husband was having some kind of relationship with the local school teacher, and she decided to take revenge. In 1922, Hopkins threw liquid in the face of the teacher in the downstairs cafe of the Connor Hotel. The teacher began screaming, grabbing at her face, and fell to the floor. The liquid was carbolic acid. Now, stories are a little bit hazy as to what happened to the teacher. Some say she survived her injuries and relocated, while others say that she suffered a painful death a few weeks later as a result of her injuries. What we do know, however, is that a few months later, Hopkins was convicted of assault for the incident. The incident is said to have left a dark energy in this hotel. A dark energy that can still be felt today. One witness of the ghostly activity at the Connor Hotel was a former employee, Nicole had just started at the hotel as a housekeeper, and on her third day, she had an experience she will never forget. It was 10.30 in the morning when she was busy cleaning room one. She had gathered up all the linens and was taking them down the hall when she saw a woman wearing a red dress coming down the hall towards her. She thought it was a rather beautiful dress, so she smiled at her as she passed by, but she couldn't help but notice that her right eye had a nasty scar around it. A second or two after she passed, she looked back to get one last glimpse of that beautiful dress. But she was gone. There was nobody there, and nobody could have left the hallway that quickly. While the housekeeper thought that it was very odd, she was not scared or anything, just curious on how she managed to get away so quickly. Later, she told a co-worker about the strange encounter, and the co-worker told her that many people see the woman in red. And she isn't a guest. She's a ghost. It's not only the employees of the Connor Hotel that have unique experiences, but the guests as well. A guest having a drink in the spirit room noticed a woman seated at the far side of the bar looking at her. She had brown hair, and something was wrong with her right eye. It looked like she had been punched in the face, or maybe a scar. She tried to ignore her, but she could feel her staring at her. After several minutes, she decided to go over and ask what her issue was. But when she looked up, she was gone. The guest asked the bartender if he knew who was sitting there, and he said, nobody's been sitting there. And the woman she saw was wearing a red dress. So just who is this woman in red with the injured right eye? Is it the ghost of the school teacher who was horrifically burned with acid by Anna Hopkins? Many witnesses seem to think so. 
but in addition to the sightings of the woman in red, there have been many reports of shadow people in various rooms, and one guest even claimed to get pinned to his bed by an unseen force. So come check into the Connor Hotel today. With many haunted rooms to choose from, we are positive we can find the right ghostly encounter for you. Our next stop, Liberty Theater. Liberty Theater was Jerome's first silent theater, opening in 1918. The theater was closed in 1929, but is now open as a gift shop downstairs and a museum upstairs with the theater and its original equipment preserved for tourists to capture a glimpse of the past. But due to a horrific tragedy, sometimes visitors capture more than just a glimpse. A woman was involved in a passionate relationship when one day following an argument, the woman left to calm down while watching a movie at the Liberty Theater. Little did she know that her boyfriend followed her to the theater and sat right behind her during the movie. He waited until a particularly loud scene when the organ music thundered through the theater, and at this moment, he reached forward, wrapped his hands around her neck, and strangled her to death. Today, the woman's ghost is said to have haunted the upper floor of the theater. Visitors frequently see a woman sitting in the top row that slowly disappears before their eyes. Others claim to see balls of light with no sources floating up and down the aisles. Stay tuned after this sponsor break to hear a first-hand ghost story from Liberty Theater. Thank you so much for sticking around. So, part of what makes Insomniac so unique is the fact that I visit every location I talk about. This not only allows me to provide my listeners with photographs of these places, but it also allows me to fully experience every place I tell you about. So, most of the time, my friend Monica travels with me to these places. But this time, at Liberty Theater, she got a lot more than she bargained for. Let me start out by telling you that Monica is typically what people would call a skeptic. While I'm always willing to blame strange occurrences on ghosts or maybe even aliens, she's always looking for the logical explanation. So today, when you visit the Liberty Theater, you have the option of paying a small fee to go upstairs to view a movie on Jerome's history in the original theater. As we were watching the film, I could sense Monica getting more tense. I asked her if she was okay, and she said yes. But as the movie went on, I could feel anxiety building more and more and more. So when the movie finally ended, I asked her again if she was okay. But she simply nodded with a blank expression. After the other couple of visitors left the theater, I began taking pictures. And as I was doing so, I was making jokes and showing them to Monica. When she would normally laugh or be excited, her expression remained blank and she said very little. Sensing that something was wrong, I quickly finished up taking my pictures, and we left the theater. It was one of the last locations we were visiting in Jerome, and I only stopped a few more times to take pictures on the way to the car, but Monica remained quiet and with the same blank expression the whole way to the car. Now, normally when we get in the car, Monica finds a song, turns it up, and we go. But this time, she got in the car, didn't put any music on, and just silently began driving. As soon as we were out of Jerome, Monica said, I'm back, 
turned up the music, and we were back to joking and laughing the rest of the trip. So later when we discussed it, she told me that as soon as we went upstairs in the theater, she felt distraught and like she needed to get out, but she had no idea why. The longer we stayed in there, the more heavy and daunting the feeling became, but exiting the theater wasn't enough to shake it. She only was free from the feeling when we got out of Jerome. So, was Monica affected by the spirit of the woman murdered there? We don't know, but Monica knows she doesn't ever want to go back to Liberty Theater. Our final stop in Jerome is not only said to be the most haunted place in Jerome, but the most haunted place in all of Arizona, the Jerome Grand Hotel. The Jerome Grand Hotel was originally constructed in 1926 under the name United Verde Hospital. It was the fourth and final hospital built in Jerome. Opening in January 1927, the United Verde Hospital was a state-of-the-art medical facility, and with it sitting at an elevation of over 5,000 feet, it became crowded with tuberculosis patients and saw over 9,000 deaths until it closed in 1950. The building stood unused for the next 44 years until it was purchased by Larry Ather in 1994, and it was renamed the Jerome Grand Hotel, opening for business in 1996. Claude Harvey, a hospital maintenance worker, died in 1935 under mysterious circumstances. His body was found pinned under the elevator in the basement of the hospital. The elevator was inspected and said not to be the cause of his death and found to be functioning perfectly at the time of the incident. No autopsy or x-rays were taken as the United Verde Copper Company did not want to be held liable nor have any controversy. Many say that he was murdered and his body was placed under the elevator to make it look like an accident. But according to many, Claude Harvey never left. Staff working the graveyard shift at the hotel often see Claude Harvey's ghost near the boiler room, usually walking up and down the stairs or roaming around as if he's still working. He also appears as a shadow against the wall and has been seen in the laundry room where he's also been heard coughing and sneezing. When staff checks the strange noises, they always find the laundry room is empty. Another hotspot for ghostly activity at the Jerome Grand Hotel is room 32. Room 32 is said to be the most haunted room in the entire hotel, and is the location of two tragic suicides. One man shot himself in the head, while another man rolled his wheelchair off the edge of the balcony and fell to his death. Since these tragic incidents, the guests claim to see doors open and close on their own, faucets turn on and off, and sometimes guests even catch a glimpse of a shadow figure watching them. Many guests that check into room 32 check out before the night's over, leaving in a rush of pure terror. Unfortunately, the two suicides that occurred in room 32 are not the only suicides that occurred on the property. In the 60s, a maintenance worker hung himself in the boiler room 
after complaining of ghostly activity for weeks. Now this makes me wonder, is there something evil at the Jerome Grand Hotel that encourages people to take their own lives? If so, how can it be stopped before it occurs again? With the Jerome Grand Hotel being the location where over 9,000 people died, it is no surprise that the presence of ghosts can be felt throughout the entire hotel, and encounters range from hearing strange voices, to objects being moved, to even seeing full-bodied apparitions. So visit Jerome today. Have your pick of haunted hotels, visit the Liberty Theater, see a ghost, and if you're lucky, make it out to tell the tale. That's it for today. Check back soon for episode 5, which takes place in my home state of New Mexico. If you would like to see photos of Jerome, and for updates about upcoming episodes, find Insomniac on Facebook, username Insomniac, or on Instagram at Insomniac Photography. If you would like to purchase any of my photos, the store link is on Facebook. Like, follow, share, and until next time, thank you for listening. (laughs) 